0: and welcome back to why this film the podcast where we reach back into your childhood pluck out a movie give it a rewatch and have a chat about it i'm emily slade and welcome back you watched it so many times before and now you're gonna watch it again but it's been so many years since you last saw it and now you show it to your friends and they're like what what am i watching why th- what, is what? This? why why, why this, this film? film? And it is so exciting today. We are reaching back double time because it's me and it's Corey.
1: <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, And we're back together and we, we're revisiting. Oh God, it's so exciting. I can't, why can't, my intros for these Legend episodes are so bad because I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> um... We are reunited four months later to talk about Legend, the director's cut, the extended edition, the magical Blu-ray that we both immediately ordered after (laughs) recording the previous episode, which was such a beautiful moment. Crow was like, um, we should just do it. We should just do the extended edition. And I was like, oh, this is the best idea I've ever heard. Um, I'm so excited. I'm... So happy that I have fulfilled a live stream now, thanks to you.
1: <laughs> I, I'm um, happy that I have the, the complete puzzle i guess that is legend you know yes. like i have all the pieces now that yes. I, and i can actually make a, a more proper uh you know opinion on the film as a whole or or should i say the experience maybe but yeah we'll we'll get into all of that of course but yes. thank you thank you so much for having me back on uh mm-hmm. you say four months ago we recorded legend it could have been four years ago yeah. this year has been so insane <laughs> time has no meaning anymore Mine i have <laughs> and i'm sure people are gonna listen to these episodes like back to back you know or or close to each other and for me i'm like oh crud i wish i'd like sort of watched the 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 theatrical cut closer because while i'm watching the extended cut i'm trying to remember sort of what's different and and I, i don't have as many like fingers on what is different but i will i do have the feeling i know what feels different about it and we'll like i said we'll get into all of that too
0: yeah, that's so interesting to hear because I was thinking that because I was watching it and I genuinely forget how much I know this movie literally off by heart. So I was watching it and, like, my head was doing the the normal dialogue and then it would throw, like, an additional line or, like, a they would say it in a slightly different way or something that, like, my obsessive weird head was able to pick up. But I was like... God, Corey's only seen this, like, once. Like, he's not going to remember these really bizarre intricacies that you're picking up. Like, oh, Maya, you you did a different take and uh, the camera angle's a little bit different there, huh? Nice, nice, nice. I was, though,
1: picking up on, s- on a- I mean... I don't know where you want to start because I feel like this is so so different than than your normal show because like we kind of got all of our thoughts on Legend on on the other episode, but yet we didn't because it's it's just a completely different experience. But so I, I guess I kind of want to start with with my overall thought of it and then kind of like work backwards. Um, yeah. I was telling my wife this morning I was like the difference between the two films is like the 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 director's cut is about what close to two hours. The theatrical cuts about an hour and a half. Um, and I, I said to her what I, what it really feels like is the, the director's cut is a proper story. Whereas the theatrical cut is a dream of that story or, or a dream of what, what you experienced versus what you read about the, the, the director's cut is a more proper movie. It, yes. it feels more like a movie. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't have the same dreamlike quality to it, and I know that that's a bit abstract, but I will say, to kind of prove that point, the even though it's longer by 30 minutes or so, I feel like there's less slow motion in the director's cut. Like, the theatrical mm-hmm. cut, especially the beginning, has is so slow but not in a bad way like like just the movements are slow that's a lot of slow motion it's very dreamlike there is not a lot of setup to it but this one gives you all of those pieces that you're missing but lacks the charm of the theatrical cut I think it lacks the 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 beautiful dreamlike thing even though it's like it's weird it's like the same sets it's obviously the same cinematographer it's the same director but the editing, it's such a differently edited movie, you know, and I don't know if a lot of that slow motion was done in post-production for the theatrical version or or whatnot, but it just, it's so much more dreamlike in the theatrical cut.
0: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I really do. Like, we were basically, you're right, we've got an additional 30 minutes, and with that, they basically just flesh out and pad out characters and situations a little bit more just a little bit more like really nothing much uh we get a bit more with this character and a bit more understanding of that character and um because of that as you say it feels more sort of uh legit it's like a box instead of a cloud now it's like here's our completed movie Mm -hmm. and you can see why someone like we mentioned in the other episode tom cruise Uh, tells people to go and watch the director's cut because he was unhappy with the theatrical cut. It's so interesting because from, yeah, from an actor's point of view in terms of like, you won't understand my performance if you don't watch the like full movie, you need to go see the full movie and the director's cut is the full movie. But in terms of a filmic experience that's sort of a bit offbeat and really enjoyable, the theatrical cut really gives us a vibe that is not really like much else that you see in a in a sort of trying to be mainstream fantasy. Like yeah. obviously there's a billion movies out there that um, succeed in being dreamlike and, and intentionally so. I think what was wonderful about Legend was that it wasn't necessarily meant to be. And what it was meant to be was what we see here, where because the characters are fleshed out a bit more, they bring us a bigger understanding. Ridley Scott's whole thing was he was like, I've got these characters and they're not 1D, they're not even 2D. They're like fully understood characters who have flaws. They're fantasy characters that have flaws. And we see... Lily is more bratty and greedy, only subtly.
1: And, and I actually, I, I noticed that in the the scene where she meets the unicorns or kind of mm. like when she's about to go to the unicorns, there was a different cut, like I think on her face, not a yeah. cut, but like a, an edit. And it just, it felt, she felt a little bit m- m- a little bit less likable in this yeah. version um but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing especially if it's if it's kind of in line with Ridley Scott's uh, viewpoint of wanting to take hard like you said very glittery fan- fantasy you know very just at its core fantasy but he would <sighs> But that only applies to the theatrical cut because now it doesn't feel like pure fantasy because fantasy is very black and white, you know, mm-hmm. or at least the kind of fantasy that we, you know, tell our kids in order to, to tell a tale or have some sort of cautionary tale or whatever. But I, I get where he's coming from where, yes, I do think it's correct. Like Jack is more fleshed out. Um, yes, I, I think Mia Sarah's character is a bit more realistic. They are all more realistic. Uh, the, the, the Gump introduction scene, I actually enjoyed more. Uh, yeah. I, I I liked seeing all the elves and the in the in the um the fairies kind of closing more in on Jack. Where I don't feel like there was that element of danger in the original cut. I felt like there yeah. was more of an element of danger from from the the Hilda folk, you know, uh, and everything. <laughs> it's 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 uh, and in it's gosh, it's so weird. It's really so weird because I like what they fleshed out. And I like that knowledge, but I like the experience of the theatrical cut better, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I do like the themes that they're playing with in in the director's cut. I do like the world being fleshed out more, especially uh, the the Bog Witch. I felt was a bit uh, better, yeah. right? Did she, he didn't he didn't woo her with the the the, the reflection as much, did he? he-
0: he, he, yeah. I, I thought about you when that was on. We get way more of Meg, um, whatever her second name is, where alongside because in the original one in the theatrical one, uh, Jack is like, ah, look at your reflection, and then as she hangs the shield up, he decapitates her. Yeah. In this one, we spend a lot more time with Meg, sort of being vain and being distracted, and Jack really fucking up, like dropping his sword in the lake and trying to... Because in the theatrical, he decapitates her and then he looks at his sword and he goes, I did it! But by this point, we've had no indication that he's not necessarily a hero. Right. You know, whereas in this version, we get to see him fumble and stumble and be like, shit, 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 the whole time. And so when he says, I did it... You feel like he's actually accomplished something rather than just had a a mystical encounter with a bog switch and like, oh, yes, we're doing some fantasy stuff.
1: Yeah, I I that's the one thing that I absolutely love more in the director's cut than the theatrical mm-hmm. cut because she's such a cool-looking character yeah. and and she's perform she's played so well by I I don't know if we talked about it last time but if we did it was a shock again for me to see that it was played by Picardo um who who's uh he was he was um in the Howling and he was in Star Trek uh, Voyager as well but uh nice. it's it's I was surprised that it was played by him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's such a cool character. He, it's She's so gross and, and awesome. and Everything in this movie is so well shot. The, the cinematography does not change in this movie mm-hmm. from either version. And, and the cinematography from both versions is the star of this movie. Um, but I'm just happy to see that scene longer. And it makes much more sense now than it yeah. did. Especially considering that like I had seen so many pictures of that bog witch before and then when we watched the movie i was like oh that was pretty quick like that was like yeah. i feel like that scene was like three or four minutes long and now it's like almost like eight to ten minutes it's it's almost double it feels like but it's yeah very welcomed very welcomed and i also Absolutely. enjoyed more of the stuff with uh darkness too there there seemed to be a smidge <sighs> more with him
0: there was. They they sort of extended it a bit. They gave him a bit more to do. Darkness was a funny one because they, they kind of chopped up the scene that I gushed about last time with the dinner table and him and Lily. Him and Lily's conversation changes a bit because they add more stuff. But what they were adding was <laughs> sort of... I don't know. I Don't get me wrong. I really, 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 really love it. I do. I really love it. But I am getting older now. And in my old age, I'm a bit more, you know, when someone turns around in a movie and they're like, ah, you are a feisty one mistress and I, you know, they talk like an incel on the internet and you're just like, oh, shut the fuck up. There's a lot more of that with darkness. There's a lot more of sort of like, You will be my queen, mistress. The night is where we shall belong, my dear. And it's like, stop Like, he calls her a different name each time. And I was just like, no.
1: Well, this does come from the the man that says, like, twice that that, uh, Sunlight is his destroyer. Sunlight
0: is my destroyer. And they put that in there because in case the audience forgot. Right. So then when Jack defeats him with Sunlight, no one's sitting there going, oh. What I did love was when jack does defeat him with sunlight he has he monologues for a bit normally he gets shot out into space but he has a whole thing where he's like dude you can't fucking kill me without me there is no you i'm in you we are brothers like full-on jokering him with like Mm -hmm. you complete me um he still gets yeeted into space but you get the sense that it's not final yeah there's no indication there's no godzilla eggs coming at you during the credits but you're like well without darkness there is no light so if the light is still here the darkness has to still exist somewhere so like you may have kicked him out of his rented swamp tree but like he's not gone forever yeah you know so watch out kids
1: and I did like that. I, I liked that monologue, you know, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I I, I thought it added a, a nice layer to it, the whole concept that, yeah, you can never truly defeat evil because, you know, we need each other. What is the light without the darkness? You know, everything he says, it's it's mm-hmm. very true. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. But at the same time, it felt a bit modern, like a modern villain yeah. sort of thing. Whereas, again, in the original much more dreamlike much more mm-hmm. just much more of a true fairy tale you know like like yeah. where you don't you know you don't have every little bit of it explained to you you know yeah. and, and i'm happy that not every bit was explained here like we still have no explanation for like you know why he what that you know chamber was with the armor yeah, and like all that kind where of stuff
0: we are and yeah. what <laughs> and, we're doing here and, and <laughs>
1: that's fine that and that's that's great i like not having all of those answers you know but but yeah, it's it's weird because I'd say like it it'll take two steps forward and then like one step back, you know, mm. uh, w- mm-hmm. with with what I how I feel about it. You know, I'll be like, oh yeah, I like this scene, I like that scene. Oh, no, I like the other scene better, and you know,
0: yeah, yeah. And I had that at places. I think I was just so overjoyed to sort of see the almost finished story as it was always meant to be. I was like, what? I wrote it down. It was like. <laughs> What did I say? Um, It feels less rushed. It feels like everything was given more time to breathe. You mentioned how we had more time in the world. And we really do. We spend ages walking down paths to get places where before we just we just got there. And I really appreciated that. We got to, when she first arrives in Darkness's house, she gets to really look around. And I was noticing things that I feel like I'd never noticed before. Set pieces that I'd never really noticed before. I was like, oh my God, have those gargoyles always been on that fireplace? Like I've watched this movie a hundred billion times and I'm seeing faces in walls where I never saw them before. And so just that breathing space of that sort of like, And now we spend money on this set, we're going to look at it. Whereas in the original they sort of chop it all for time to get it down to that one hour 30. But you're right. As I've mentioned with the dinner scene, there were moments where I was like, you've kind of taken the sexy out of it a little bit. And
1: uh <laughs> it did. Yeah. It didn't have, it wasn't as sexy. The, I think the whole Ooh. movie here, the, the director's cut didn't have as much of a sex appeal to it that I think that the, the theatrical cut had, Um, you know, and I don't know if that's, if that's the, uh, the right way to go or not, you know, cause she's supposed to be underaged and stuff like, so like, I don't know if like, if that was like a good thing or not, but I do feel that there was a little bit less sex, but I do think that, that the princess was a bit more, she was more conflicted. I think you saw more emotion on her face in this one. Um, I, 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 I kind of felt like in the, in the theatrical cut, she was a bit in She goes from being innocent to then all of a sudden having the thing, the, the dress on. And then she kind of like turns, Whereas I feel like in this, you got a sense of she was still sort of a bit of who she was under the glamour, you know, like she was still sort of fighting it. Um, Although (laughs) was the bubbling chair in the theatrical cut that she, you know, she was going to sit on. She's like, I'm going to stand. Thank you.
0: But it's very it's very quick. Um, It comes a lot earlier and she she sees the bubbling and she's like, I'm gonna stand. But in this one, when She, she, she usually says that there's an extension of the dialogue and it takes ages before she sits down, she's looking at the walls a lot more because there's the face in the wall now. That wasn't there, They're like, green eyes in the okay, wall.
1: Okay, okay, so, well, I swear I've seen that in the theatrical cut, but I thought that was uh, Big D just talking, but it's not, or it is, It's it's. but I, it's, like, a... I don't know. It's a, I think it's a statue of the darkness, like, like but or, he can kind his, of like, go through it or see through it. Dad? Yeah,
0: or like, is it like peepholes for the mansion? or Because he's got those green eyes, but only sometimes yeah. does he have those green eyes. So I was like, is it him? Is it his dad? Because usually there's a bit where he's talking to um, his father, who we assume is Satan?
1: Well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, of in course. In both versions,
0: yeah. he he talks to his father. And I I'm going to have to go back, but I swear... The, this was this was a change that I didn't like because uh, when Lily first arrives in the mansion, she's like, she's like slow motion running through like fire and corridors, and Darkness is being like, why am I so attracted to her? Like she's super pure and innocent, and I'm like totally into that all of a sudden. And his father has this like deep, booming satanic voice where he's like you must make her one of us, woo her, charm her. And as he's doing this voiceover, she's like slow motion running in rags through fire and it's very dramatic and it's very good. In this version, (laughs) I could be making this up but his dad's voice suddenly becomes blix. more like blix. blix it
1: becomes blix's yeah. voice i was like, like i was like why is why is, telling, yeah, why, why, is, why is why is blix all of a sudden telling yeah uh, why why is why is blix all of a sudden telling darkness what to do that was that was my that was my takeaway and i think my guess is maybe uh, Ridley Scott didn't like the idea of, of darkness, you being able to hear darkness's dad. So he mm. just changed the dialogue to Blix. But why? Because Blix became very commanding of darkness in that, di- if that is Blix, right? If, if Th- that this is thing,
0: him. And I don't think it is Blix. I think it's Blix's actor
1: because blix's
0: actor did a lot of the voices she does gump's voice she does blix's voice and maybe at one point they were like oh can you just like stand in for darkness as well and then when it became more of a stereotypical 80s fantasy movie in the theatrical cut they changed it to sort of like how you would expect like how everyone expected james woods to be in hercules you come in and you're like i'm Hades, lord of the dead um but for some reason they kept it it's it's like they filmed Darth Vader and forgot to put James L Jones on top of it yes. Do you know what i mean it's, yep. i felt like someone hadn't done their job i was like i am completely taken out of this yep. moment it is not dramatic or sexy or fun and i think that cuz that is the build up to when it starts getting super oozy and sexy when it's like woo her charm her make her one of us but when the voice is like woo her charm her like from animaniacs or something i'm like oh god yeah
1: i mean <laughs> it wasn't next? even it wasn't even like they were she was trying not to be blicks you know it was like yeah it was like they It was like ridley scott directed her do Blix's voice we'll augment it <laughs> later and then like you said they just didn't they just augment forgot. it in this one and i am a hundred percent with you i was i was like yeah you know, i was watching it you know stroking my beard and then i'm like wait a minute I don't remember this. Like this doesn't seem right. I'm like, is Blix telling him what to do? Blix all of a sudden like got all high and mighty on uh, on Big D like that. I'm like, nah, man, nah. (laughs) And I feel like there was, I feel like there was less Blix and his crew in this one. Um, and maybe maybe there wasn't. Maybe there was just since there's 30 more minutes, the time in between their scenes kind of got like extended and everything. Mm. There there was also like the horror elements, like the, the 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 kitchen. Um I feel like didn't the original movie start with the kitchen scene? Like doesn't the theatrical cut start with like some gross kitchen stuff? Like because I feel like you saw it before you saw yeah. it in the, in the director's cut. Like I feel like you saw it earlier on and that the, the kitchen scene, especially like with them chopping up that still alive person in the background is still pretty damn gruesome for like <laughs> a a fairy tale movie, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Yeah, and no, I I thought it was a bit less
1: yeah, normal. and and which, but not nonetheless, like gruesome, and but still, like I feel like that added to the to the sort of the fear of the first movie, the the magic yeah. of the first movie, um, and then the the family, Nell's family, did did we ever see them be like revived in in the theatrical cut? Like, didn't we ever go back to them, see them? They were fine.
0: Uh no, we didn't. We because we we made a point about it in the last episode where you you just never find out if they were cool or whether they were just like lost in the in, old uh, the freezeover the of two thousand and nine or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> ah, remember when remember when princess lily touched the unicorn and everything went to shit yeah my i lost my whole family that day man it's really sad we don't like to talk
1: about it i mean there's still the shot of the frozen baby in the in the the crib i mean it's a dark movie (laughs) i know that's such a great line it's such a great line what
0: what i love is that's the one who's pretending to be he's a he's like a brownie or a dwarf pretending to be a goblin (laughs) And I really noticed this time around that everything he says is so overcompensating trying to be a goblin. He's like... I just love milk-fed meat. Or he's like, oh, she was so sweet. I want to suckle on her bones. As if he's like, hey, guys, I'm a goblin too. Oh, I love eating the humans I do. Nom, nom, nom. Like really I, <laughs> trying to. I,
1: I still like how he gets dispatched, though, by, by yeah. darkness. Or the, the mummy grabs him. <laughs> he's like, adios, amigos. Amigos. So good that one is still Um, i'm glad that that like remains intact you know
0: (laughs) and a lot of it did a lot of the sort of good humor was there and anything that was taken away i think worked in its favor and i'm not sure that much was taken away
1: no if anything i think there was more added to it (laughs) yeah
0: um the biggest change is the ending
1: yes, I was gonna ask you about that with the whole like so in the original or okay, the theatrical cut, it's like it's very much uh jack and and the princess are are off into the future together. Whereas I actually kind of like this one where she's like, Oh, what a, what a crazy dream that was. So I'll see you tomorrow. Like, you know, like her world just kind of goes back to normal, but Jack is, is still sort of there, you know, and and whatnot. I like that. She,
0: um, I really loved it. It was a proper full on extended conversation when in the theatrical when she wakes up and he's just like, "Hey, I got your ring. That means that we're married, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, I love you." And he's like, "I love you too." And they li- literally run off into the sunset. They literally run off into the sunset. In this one she wakes up and she's like, "God, I had the weirdest dream." And he was like, "Yeah, dream." <laughs> And she's like, it was a dream, right? And he's like, it's over now. And she's like, that's not answering my question. And he's like, shh, 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 you're safe, you're safe. And she's (laughs) like, okay, all right, okay. Well, what I did learn, Jack, is that you belong here in the forest, which I thought was so funny because maybe she's coming full circle with the conversation she has with Nell at the beginning where she's like, Princess Lily, you should be finding a, a, a white knight on a beautiful horse or whatever and and she's like ah, I, 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 no i want to go on an adventure and then she goes on her adventure and she wakes up and she's like you know what jack you work really well in the forest and i'm gonna i'm gonna go back home and have a bath how does that sound <laughs> and he's like yeah that's that's fair that, that's yeah that's fair <laughs> and so she does she's like i will see you tomorrow sir yep,
1: yep, uh, yep. you
0: keep my ring so uh, we don't have to deal with that. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll call you. I'll call you later. Okay, see you later. Bye. You and, and, then... your,
1: you and your unibrow can stay in the <laughs> <Yeah>. forest. <laughs> you
0: and your rabbits can stay. And I'll be back uh, eventually. And she goes home. She goes off back to the castle. And Jack is just like chilling in the forest. And he sort of runs in her direction. But I don't know if I'm assuming that because he... It's so interesting. He runs, it's this the same shot from the theatrical. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, Lily's like the same been set. Yeah, they just took Lily out. out of it. Yeah. And so he runs off by himself and then starts waving at all the woodland creatures and the unicorns are there and they're safe and it's fine. And he just he runs off into the sunset by himself. And much like in the first one when I used to be like, oh, and they probably just went back to the castle and had a cup of tea and then like called it a day. Um, you know, there's no kiss, there's no implication. Well, there is a kiss, but there's no sort of severe marriage scene. Um, similarly with this one, I'm like, this could be like fucking Stand By Me, where, like, Lily never comes back to the forest and she never sees Jack again and she marries a king and, like, they just had a really wonderful weird time in the forest that one summer, um, saw a dead body. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, like, changed forever. <laughs>
1: like, and, you know, for... to to coincide with, I guess, Ridley Scott's realistic version of a fairy tale, then this is kind of how it has to be, you know? And and also because... She learned her lesson. She has to go back into her her world and take her knowledge with her and, you know, tell people about, you know, what's going on in the woods and kind of like create this idea of folklore, you know, without her. You always need somebody to basically survive the experience so they can go tell tell the story. But yeah, it's not as it's not as clean cut, it's not as like sweet and saccharine as as the original one is. Mm. But I don't know. I think as an experience, I still like the overall experience of the theatrical one better. You know, like it's it's more dreamlike. And at that point, I'm like, well, sure, I'll just have Jack and Lily be together. I, you know, like I I was already yeah, along yeah, for yeah. the ride, and I was already rooting for Jack to to win. You know, I I I liked it. I actually liked the 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 way the theatrical cut ended that way. I thought it was kind of sweet. I mean, Jack fought hard for her. You know, yeah, and,
0: and it 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 up neatly and it makes sense and they're both deserving. They've both gone through something and struggled. It's not been easy for them. But I think that's why I liked the director's cut more, because it's what I always wanted. I always like it when they're like, oh, you wanted the thing? Ayo! Stripped out from under your feet. And this does it when Jack runs off alone. I felt- <laughs> this is gonna seem so dramatic. When I was watching Legend of the Director's Cut and I saw Jack run off into the sunset by himself, I felt like a hole in my stomach. Like, I felt like it wasn't complete. Like, I felt like they hadn't given me the satisfaction that I deserved from this story. And I love that. I love that missing piece feeling where I'm like, hey, happy endings aren't guaranteed. And actually, heterosexual romance isn't necessarily a happy ending. So... <laughs>
1: now would you now i i know that you you like to describe the theatrical cut of of legend as being a very uh, just just like powdery uh you know glittery (laughs) fairy tale like kind of kind of folklore like at its core just, just really distilled down to its core do you feel that's the same descriptor for this for the 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 director's cut
0: that's so interesting sort of like it's still there But as we've mentioned, because it's a little bit more... We talked about Legend being sort of grey with its intentions, but fundamentally, yeah, like, fine-powdered fantasy coke. But, like, this is much more grey. It's much more sort of ghost world than uh, Dragonheart. I don't know. Like, it's... It's like people don't necessarily get their way, um... People are kind of shitty sometimes. There's sort of more resolution, but there's also less. Mm -hmm. It's a really weird one. It's still, I still felt like I was in an absolute fantasy world. Perhaps more so. I know like the dreamlike quality has been taken from us, but I found my feet were more firmly in this world. And I really enjoyed that. So it didn't feel like I was just sort of visiting on a high. It felt like I was there more this time. And I really appreciated that. But, um, in terms of it being black and white, it's not really, it sort of feels a bit more, I don't know. I really don't know how to describe it.
1: Oh yeah, for me it felt more of a. It felt more solid. Like I don't know what that means, yeah. but like it just it feels more solid. It felt more like a movie it it just feels like okay, yeah. this is a structure the the it's a three act structure. I know when things are coming, but with the theatrical cut I didn't really know where things were going to go because it just kind of had dream logic just everywhere, and that was because of them cutting out twenty minutes. So you have to cut out yeah. all this stuff, so it feels like dream logic and everything, but it's 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 weird because it's almost like It's almost like the director's cut is Batman Begins, whereas the theatrical cut is Tim Burton's Batman, right? It's kind of like the same source material, but one is trying to have more of a a loose interpretation of it like Tim Burton's Batman, whereas one is trying to be very more just solid, but at the same time, realistic. Like, how would this really be in real life, sort Mm -hmm. of? You know, like, if this movie came out, Post Batman Begins, I think it would have leaned even more hard into the the more like gray realistic fantasy. But it's still like in the '80s, so we still haven't. I feel like we, as an audience, we hadn't seen like super hardcore realistic, you know, fantasy or sci fi or comic book stuff. You know, people have tried, but you know, it, it's going to take a while for us to get there. So this still sort of toes the line. But I get where Ridley Scott was was coming from, what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. I think he was like, okay, I, I understand folklore as much as we we can all understand it, but, like, I get it. I get these movies, the grim fairy tale stuff, I get it, but at the same time, they're very loosey-goosey. They're kind of like, you're just supposed to accept things, like, this person just lives in the forest. Like, and then I'm sure Ridley Scott was like, but what would that really be like to be Jack in the forest? You know what I mean? Like, even though he didn't go hard hard hardcore into like the batman begin realms of like really showing you what life would be like as you know jack in the force but i think that like ridley scott started doing that and he started thinking like okay but what would what would the elves be like what would the gump be like like what would he really be like i know what we understand and i know what folklore tells but in folklore you only get like maybe one or two lines about this character he's like i want to i want to like actually explore the character, and I do think we got more out of the Gump in this one. You know, I think it's we got a sure. more a more rounded Gump. Um, I liked seeing more of the, the 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 hidden folk. I liked seeing more of the the fairies and stuff, especially when he he gave uh, Jack that riddle that he had to pass. And I like while he was waiting, they were just you didn't see them move, but they all just started encroaching closer and closer and yeah. closer. And and I love the design of them. I feel like in this movie you got to see more. Uh, like gnomes and more of the elves and, and stuff like that. And man, it's so cool. They went for like a very traditional look, like even some of the women, like, you know, they they you could tell that the actress was pretty, but then they would give her that very ugly bulbous nose, you know, yeah, yeah. to wear. And it's like, okay, it's like, I, I really felt like he wanted to be true to like the source material. And I know there's no source, material. the source material is just folklore. Like he wanted to be Mm -hmm. true to like this sort of Germanic, you know, fairy folklore, but at the same time, he wanted to be like, but what would it really be like if these creatures were really real? How can we, he wants to film it realistically. He wants to portray them realistically. And, you know, I guess the nice thing is at the end of the day, he had enough, material to create two two movies or the studio did one that was dreamlike and one that was was more realistic but uh, yeah i think he accomplished what he wanted to do i think here yeah
0: for sure and it's it's really cool that we now get to choose which experience we'd prefer and i think i think that the dreamlike one is probably a happy accident i think that they just felt forced to chop it down to a more they took out anything that was vaguely complex or that wasted time and by doing so they gave us this mishmash of like a like a trippy experience in the woods whereas when they added back in sort of like okay we're gonna go here and do this kind of vibes it was as you say it's a hundred percent more like a movie and it was it was so interesting to me it's like I'd been doing this puzzle over and over again and like three pieces had been missing every single time and then watching the director's cut I finally had those three pieces um And I was able to see the jigsaw complete for the first time. And so there's a rush in that where you're like, oh my God, it's finally finished. It's finally finished. I can look at it. But you're so used to seeing the unfinished puzzle that you've sort of fallen in love with the unfinished puzzle. And you're like, there's more charm to that. And there's more, I love it. There's more nostalgia to it. So whilst it's, I'm super pumped to now have the option to watch the full movie, um and be able to notice things that I never noticed before, like the set pieces, we do still have the sort of injection of the theatrical cut where we can just be like, oh, yeah, like, what's going on here? I don't fucking know, and I don't fucking care. This is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I think the the theatrical cut is probably my preferred viewing at, at this point, but you're right. It's nice. We have two choices, and both movies are... I would say good movies. Like, I like both movies. Um, I think they're both well-made. It's just... It's remarkable how different of an experience they both are. You know, and and what you're you're left with, uh, you know, on, you know, what how you're feeling. And and it's more of an experience. Both of them it's like I don't think there's one right or wrong. It's which experience do you prefer? And exactly. I think, you know, and and having, you know, which one do you watch first is probably going to dictate which one you probably like better, but It's true. You were talking to me offline, and apparently there was probably a darker version of of the movie that didn't even get filmed, right? Because you sent oh me a, a page of the script where it's like, <laughs> so apparently Lily is like being beaten at the beginning by some baron that she's maybe bequeathed to, or is that her father? I wasn't quite sure from, from the page, yeah. but it seemed dark and sinister.
0: It's mental. Um, I talked about it briefly in the other episode. When I first got into Legend, I found the original. You can find the original script um, by the... What's his name? His name is like... uh, William Hodsberg, who wrote the screenplay for Legend. And you can find the original Legend of Darkness online. Legend of Darkness happened, and it was sort of based on all of this stuff. They turned it into the director's cut, and then they wanted to dumb it down almost and turn it into the theatrical cut and I think that's why it feels more like a fairy tale that we uh understand because it sort of had to go through this hacking process to be a bit more what we're used to so then you go back and you go back again and Legend of Darkness feels more like I'm reading the King's Damascelle, um, or like an Arthurian legend or something, less rather than a fairy tale. Darkness is replaced, as you said, by a Baron who just happens to be her dad's friend. Um, because we meet her father in this version, he's out hunting with the baron, who everyone says is an ogre. Um, but he's not, he's just like a really shitty dude. She turns physically into a monster which, again, harkens back to more sort of the original, uh, what would they be? Um, Some of the really old sort of, I mean, there are versions of Red Riding Hood where she turns into the wolf, Tiger's Bride, um, lots of fairy tales where the women turn into different animals kind of thing, but this is very, very dark about it because, as you said, it's also very he has a whip and he like whips her until she bleeds and that's like written in the script it's yeah. it's very trying very hard to be like bdsm so so
1: wait so is the darkness is is big d not in it like it's the baron he's the he's yeah, darkness
0: it's, it's the baron um
1: is he supposed to look any different? Is he like? do they describe him any different? Or is he? Is there less less uh, uh like monstrous uh, uh stuff in it? You know,
0: when we first meet him, he's got his face covered. Okay, um, for a while, and they say he's an ogre. It's I mean, it's it's chunky. It's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, thick as. Um, and I haven't uh got all the way through it recently. Um, i was just flicking through she she's like turning into a literal animal and he's like ha ha blah 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 um we are all animals my dear blah 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 blah."
1: yeah i I, like he did he actually keeps that line in it in the movie too yeah
0: which is really interesting because this Mm -hmm. is where it comes from and in the movie it's like it's just sort of like a she's like you're an animal because I'm trapped in this dungeon and it really sucks and you're like literal a devil. And he's like, oh, we are all animals, my dear. And it feels just sort of like, you know, humans aren't that great either, Han, so maybe you should check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) In this, it's like, a vile stone cellar, walls dripping with moss and slime, human bones litter the earthen floor, chains and shackles hang between the instruments of torture. There is an iron maiden, a rack and a charcoal brazier heating various tongs and pincers. The whip cracks again as the shadow of the baron moves across the wall. Princess Lily is chained to a stone pillar. Clothed only in tatters, her glossy pelt striped with bloody welts from the lash. She huddles helplessly before the fury of the baron. The baron strikes again with the whip. Semiconscious, Lily can do little more than whimper when she is hit. Baron. Your moans seem almost pleasurable, my dear. Developing a taste for the lash. Lily groaning, kill me. I want so nice. Very different to the movie. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's <laughs> like dark. It's cringy as well, with sort of how overtly um pornographic almost it is. Um, obviously as a 14 year old, I was like, hello. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, now as a 28 year old, I'm a bit more like, are you okay, William Hortzberg? Maybe you should like get a girlfriend who's into it before burying it all in a screenplay. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Man, I wonder if, like, like, did Tim Curry sign on when he read that script? Or, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, because, I mean, what we see is so dramatically different than that. Yes, um, so
0: different. But you can also kind of see where it came from. I yeah. mean, darkness is in, like, that sort of bin bag PVC outfit, and Lily gets put in a plunging neckline of a gothic, um, oh, God, what's the hot topic dress? Um But it came from a place of real sort of abuse and I can't, I feel like, I can't remember, but I feel like she fully turns and she fully goes over to the dark side in this and Jack has to literally rip her back Mm. and once he has done so, she's sort of changed forever a little bit where she's sort of lost her innocence as it were. Um, Whether she actually loses her innocence would not surprise me in this version, uh, which is really problematic for a lot of reasons. And I think... If that if that movie had been made, I think it would be more the type of thing that would be covered on podcasting after dark, as opposed to why this film. <laughs> yeah, I think you and Zach would be like, "Oh yeah, man, remember when like yeah, let's
1: go." <laughs> I <laughs> mean, when, like, you're, two AM. <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, it sounds like it, it was destined for the sleaze pile, and then I mean, <laughs> and then it. But it's also remarkable who reads these scripts and can see the other movie that's maybe like in there and hidden. Yeah. you know in there but yeah it's it's i'm glad we didn't get that movie to be honest with you um i'm glad that we never see lily's home life i don't want to see yeah. it i like not seeing any of the city you know i only yeah. i love seeing just the countryside and everything i think it's Absolutely. really cool it, it lends itself to that to, to just the whole uh, dreamlike fairy tale of it because also you can't really place it technologically where it would be, you know, and I feel like if you saw a big city, you could, okay, this takes place in the year, whatever. It's more timeless now.
0: Definitely. And it's got that Shakespearean feel of like, oh, we're going into the woods. And like, whenever someone in Shakespeare goes into the woods, it's because they need to deal with some shit. Yeah. You know, they're usually dressed as the opposite gender and they go in and they're like, right, let's let's sort this fucking shit out. And then they come out again and they're like, cool, done. And it's that. Lily enters the woods and she has a fucking wacky adventure. And then she goes home again without Jack. Jack is part of the woods. Jack is part of the adventure, which is why I'm always so... Unwilling to call him the main character, even though he's our hero, I feel it's Lily's journey that we follow. Oh, yeah. And if I had to give it a main character, it would be Lily. Oh,
1: of course, um, I, I would. I would not consider uh, uh, Jack. And honestly, I I think it's smarter that he stays. Like it's like um, it's it's the same trope. As uh, a samurai movie or a gunslinger movie or Mad Max, it's they they are they they can only do one thing. They're only good at one thing. They can't be integrated into society. You know, yeah. they kind of go from town. Ta- you almost get an idea that Jack could be immortal. Um, and he could go from from woman to woman like he just could be having these adventures and, and with other people and stuff but yeah Jack is not built for the city we even talked about that I think it the, the first time like what would that yeah. what's their future? really they like here
0: have a future they would have like a shitty sitcom future where they're both like depressed
1: yeah because jack <laughs> would want kids. to be out in the woods and, and she yeah. would yeah it's it's i i think absolutely this ending is is more truer to jack's character than, mm. than the other ending is, um, although you could say the other ending maybe they they just held hands till they got to that part, and then they yeah, they separated and then they, ways, you know, <laughs> they you, said, you know, whatever. Hi. Yeah, but it's but,
0: interesting that um you say immortal in the original script he was meant to be we met, we're meant to find out that he is immortal. Okay, and you think of the sort of foresty folklore of England, there's a lot of the Green Man yeah. everywhere, like, and like I I wouldn't be surprised if he's meant to be that vibe because he's He's Peter Pan without falling out the pram. Well,
1: and, and which is interesting because then you also have the Gump. So it's like in in my head, Jack is the Gump, but he <gasps> isn't because you have the Gump and the Gump yeah. doesn't know Jack. So that always kind of, that for me, that makes it a little bit weird because I feel like why wouldn't Jack have ever met uh, or run into the Gump or, or known him, you know? Like if he I lived have... in the woods, he should know yeah, him.
0: Yeah, but. Like, if, let's say there's the woods, fucking Stranger Things. Thank you for, like, being able to sum shit up, but, like, like you ruined it. Multiple dimensions. Within the fairy rings, the sort of supernatural element of the forest lives. And in the forest, the sort of green man lives, the sort of jolly green giant who can interact with humans. And then if you look at the second layer down, there's all the brownies and the elves that perhaps only come out at night or perhaps can only be seen if they choose to show themselves and, like, that sort of thing. Or when the veil is thinner. Yeah. There are people that live in the forest, so we assume it's a fairly human domain. Um, In the original script as well, uh, Lily's like, I'm a princess, you must, I demand that you show me the unicorns, and he's like, you are a commoner here, the true royalty are the unicorns, kind of thing. So it is a completely different domain to... Perhaps society, as it were, over where the castle is. Um But no, it's oh, really interesting. Although that's kind of
1: I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that different hierarchy like i'd actually find that to be kind of interesting like uh the human hierarchy and she's like oh but i am a, you know i am royalty i am this and that but there it's like i don't care it doesn't matter what the fuck you are back in the real world you know like unicorns here are all that matters like yeah. he does say that but it, i i think it's interesting if they they didn't actually use royalty to the unicorns they talked about more of like these these beings and which is weird because it's like the, the wording is supposed to make them seem bigger, but I felt like it made them seem more contrived. And I think if he used royalty, I actually would have liked that better. Like the, royalty the, the spiritual royalty.
0: Yeah, because he sort of... This time around, he mentions how her touching the unicorn put her immortal soul in danger. And I was like, what are they, gods now? Like,
1: And she's not supposed to touch them. She did. I think she's a dick. I think that's a dick move.
0: And she was always meant to be a dick. And I think that's why I always liked her as a kid, because I was confronted with this princess character who was flawed. She was fundamentally flawed. She was greedy and Mm -hmm. she was bratty and she was um, snobby and she was bossy. And I was always like, fuck, yeah, like a human woman on screen. I love it
1: and and I should say that the the fact that she is a dick I, I don't actually find that uh, dislikable I actually mm. find that interesting about her character and I do like to see in this movie the different facets of her character because and I think that's it's important because to show that humans are different than uh because even the the the, the fairy girl she even says like you know your all's love is so fickle or what she's something to that regard whereas f- the fairy love is strong and fierce and and I do think that that lily is supposed to be more gray and her faults are supposed to be more apparent because she's human i think we're yeah. supposed to see the difference between humans and and fairy and and elves and, and those guys and gals like you know they're they're immortal they're more in touch with things they 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 understand things more but at the same time they're not It's it's why in movies and everything like humans are always prized because we also have like free will, whereas they kind of have to live with the rules that they are, under they're extremely powerful like the, the gump and everything they're all extremely powerful but they're very bound by their rules whereas mm-hmm. I think we you know humans are always portrayed in folklore and movies and stuff is like we're so with we all that free will we're, we're so willful and prideful we can do whatever we want and it doesn't matter and yes we do miss the little things we miss the connection to the magical world that the gump has but at the same time we're more free than the gump is you know and, uh, yeah. and it's cool though it's cool to see like you can have a good character do bad things like uh, we're all good like a lot of us are good people but yet we still do bad things we still do dick things and so yeah. her touching the the unicorn i thought was you know uh, great i mean i i like it i like that she kind of you know says i'll do what i want you know it's it's Absolutely.
0: it's cool what's great is that it's a very simplistic in theory black and white fairy tale that we've been able to talk about for hours on end and still can, because it provides us with these complexities and it provides us with these sort of underlying thought process thoughts without answering any question that we're able to delve into the world. And we're able to be like, Ooh, 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 ooh. like actually I do sympathize with darkness and actually like maybe this, and maybe that person's kind of trash actually. And like, ooh, 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 and it's, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think if we did have a movie of the original legend of darkness, it, no,
1: no. No, thank you. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have stuck around like it, I don't think. Or in a different no. way probably.
0: Reading the original legend of darkness, completely different. Reading the original Notre Dame de Paris and watching um the Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, completely different things. But I'm just so grateful that people are willing to give these darker tales and these horrific real stories a chance for a new life taking just little shavings off the top and breathing new life into them to give us a more fleshed out brilliant off the beaten track tale that we can still enjoy i just really enjoy that
1: yeah yeah no i i'm i'm with you i think it's it's super super cool um and one thing i thought was really cool about what they added back in i believe they did uh was how the gump told time when they said hey let's all sync up our watches i was like i was like wait a minute i like i was i think i was taking a note and i looked up i was like i don't remember watches and then like the gump has like this globe with balls of water in it and then the other guy had something else i was like oh cool i was like oh this wasn't in the yeah right
0: I wrote it down as well. I was like, what? The clocks? Yeah. Yeah. Like one of them has like a weird sort of clown clock face on like a pocket watch. He has a ball that has little engravings of like different animals. And he's like, we'll be back here in 200 beats of a hummingbird's heartbeat. And then when he comes back, he's like, two more flicks of a badger's tail and we'd have been done for. Because his little balls articulate alongside the images of these animals and he reads time through woodland animals' internal organs or whatever. And it's just so, what a brilliant, gorgeous little addition. I want one. I want one of those like gump clocks yeah like how gorgeous
1: i mean and it was such a beautiful effect too like it it was really really well done damn shame that that didn't make it into the theatrical cut because it's it's a fun little piece of of i don't know fairy tale tech yeah weird yeah (laughs) and and i will say the only other thing that kind of i i felt like honestly they they kind of pulled back on was the fairy being in love with Jack in the director's cut. I feel like that was a bigger deal in the theatrical cut than the director's yeah. cut. Maybe there was just less time and they, you know, like there's, again, there's 25 minutes that are trimmed. If, you know, they kept every bit of, if you kept every bit of that, that weird little stilted one-sided love story, it would seem like more because you have less time surrounding it. So maybe... Maybe it was just the same amount of time as it was before, but it seemed like in the theatrical cut, it was a bigger deal.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think from what I remember, I think that, um, that it's they don't add anything to it. They just...
1: So everything around it, it is just trimmed down so yeah
0: and it, it doesn't feel as important because there's more stuff happening we've yeah. got longer conversations with other people that una is just like there and you're just like okay and
1: she but. and she seems to get over it pretty quickly she, after she has her, her <laughs> gets upset but yeah may, maybe it's because there isn't as uh, there's more time around it that it feels less significant in the director's cut but I did I did feel that I, I, I was like yeah. okay almost the point where like we didn't sort of like need this little bit but yet Mm. i liked it in the theatrical cut
0: yeah i I, it sort of wraps up a bit neater in this one i've just remembered they add like one line as she lets them all out of prison she like shuts jack back in very briefly um because then immediately someone else lets him go but she's she's like i could vex you you, jack i could i could make you dance a fairy dance for eternity And then she, like, storms off and Gump is like, okay, we're just going to let Jack out of the prison. Now let's go. Um, But I loved it because it just—it was just that more bitter spitefulness that really felt like she was sort of stamping down and being like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm over it. More so than in the first movie because we... First movie, it's not a sequel. The theatrical version. Because we talked about it in the other episode where um, it sort of... It does feel like she gets over it a bit, and I was saying that, well, she sort of goes off on one, and I think like Tinkerbell, who can only experience one emotion at one time, she's she's over it because she's like, well, you've filled me up with so much hate towards you now that I can't see you in any other way, so you can go suck a dick, even though... It's completely her problem and Jack didn't do anything wrong.
1: And... But but at the same time that's I feel like that's kind of always been like like you said like it's a fairy thing like that that is why they love us humans is because we can experience this full array of emotions. And I think like you say, everything they're feeling is just amplified to the, they're always at a hundred. They're always going mm-hmm. at a hundred, you know? And, uh, but I will say this, I, st- I will say this. She's a professional because she still did her job even after being shunned by Jack. So <laughs> she props to her. I want Good her on her. my team. No yeah. matter what.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's legit. She, she finishes the job. Yeah. Um, Also, what's interesting about fairy-human relationships is that often fairies are very aware that humans can die when often fairies can't. And so that's really interesting when you play with the fact that Jack may or may not be immortal. The Gump may or may not know this. And it's the Gump that's like, kill her, Jack. She she means to do it. Kill her. Forget her. And it always rings with me, that line, because Jack then obviously makes the choice to be like, I trust you, Lily. I'll always trust you and shoots darkness instead. But um, the Gump is, you really get the sense that he's immortal there because the Gump is, it's more than just, oh my God, Jack, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Because he's asking her to put an arrow in the heart of his beloved. Yeah. And, but he's then asking her to forget her. And the implication that I th- read into it is that you've got centuries. You, you will live forever. She will be a blip on your radar She's gonna put us all in danger if you don't shoot her in the heart. I don't care for human lives because they're so fleeting. And then that also plays into the trope that vampires are always obsessed with humans because they're like, God, your life is so fleeting. Like, it's so cool that you're only gonna live like a hundred years max. Like, (laughs) you wanna hang out kind of (laughs) thing. Um, So there's the two-way thing there as well where the sort of fae, if you will, are always fascinated with humans because we're so weird in comparison to, as you say, these more rule-abiding creatures that are sort of more animalistic in the sense that they are sort of born to do something. They do it and then they die or they don't die. Yeah. Whereas humans are like, as you say, we're like, I'm going to be a fireman. A rabbit can't be a fireman. Well, I don't know. That's that's me assuming a lot about rabbit. <laughs>
1: life <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and you know and and what i liked also too about uh her name is una right the mm. the fairy the fay. um well they're they're all fairies technically uh but um yeah that's semantics i imagine uh but uh <laughs> but uh, you, you always got to figure they're, they're not human that's the thing like they don't and, and I think they do a good job of, like, making her look otherworldly, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I don't know, I like the idea that they may have a human face, but they're not human. And you can't relate to them and they can't relate to you ultimately at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, you really get that when she flashes back from pretending to be Lily in the jail cell and then she flashes back to being Una. And she goes from Maya Sara's, like, lovely romantic brown eyes to these sort of like sharply Elijah Wood, almost bright blue contacts. And they're really standing out in the literal, like flash of light that happens when she transforms. And it's frightening because all of a sudden, this wild hair and these bright, weird eyes come through Lily's normal face. And you're reminded that you're dealing with something quite dangerous. Like Mm -hmm. she could fuck you up if she wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She could she could take you by the ankle and drop you off a mountain
1: I recommend it. I recommend checking mm-hmm. out legend you know I recommended it before um but i I think it's a beautiful movie I think it's a it's a it's a beautiful movie beautiful experience to sort of take in uh, the the director's cut is a beautiful movie the theatrical cut is a is a beautiful experience but kind of tying it back into like bringing magic back in the world. I would almost want to show my kid the the theatrical cut just to kind of have their imagination sort of yeah. run wild and kind of, you know, just I, I do still love that whole first act when they're in the woods. That yeah it's it's a set, clearly it's a set, but I love that. I love I love outdoor environments that are sets. They clearly look like sets. Yeah. I just love that. If that feels magical to me. Um and I I think that whole opening act is just amazing. Nell's Cabin, you know, is amazing.
0: I think it's a brilliant movie to show kids, and I would hope that they would, you know, if you show it to them young enough, it might be a little scary, but I think it'll... Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think that they would enjoy it. I'm so pleased that you enjoyed it. I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's so much fun. I like you said early on. It's we do have a clear picture now of the movie. I'm glad that I have a clear picture of the movie. Mm. Um, but I think moving forward, I would probably watch the the theatrical. I would smoke a fat joint just get just get melted into the couch and just experience that movie just experience it let it wash over you and just just absorb it live in it and then if you have any questions go watch the director's cut afterwards and be like okay that's interesting but i i think the theatrical cut i would start with the theatrical cut
0: yeah i think that's fair i think that's very fair actually because it It sort of wraps itself up nicely in how you would expect it to. And it it, it makes sense in itself. And if you enjoy it, and as you say, you want more questions, go to the director's cut, um... And then you can pick which world you sit in. Do you want more answers, yeah. less answers, a happy ending, an ambiguous ending? Yeah, it's up to you. There,
1: there, I don't think that there isn't like one correct version of the movie. You know, I know Ridley Scott says it's the the director's <laughs> yeah. cut, but then you could you could even argue that well, you fucked up with the 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 Darkness's dad blix thing, so that's yeah. not even it's not perfect anyways. You know, so you know it it, it has its flaws too. But I think it's a. I mean, I, even though it's a, it's even though it's two hours, it actually feels like a pretty tight movie, you know. Like yeah, it I, does. I think it, it, and it moves along pretty quickly uh, overall. But boy, does does that theatrical cut really just? I mean, you feel like you're in the current with it. You feel like yeah. you're a, 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 you know, a paper in the wind. You're just sort of breezing along with it. I'm not going to use Wash's, uh, you know, example in Serenity because I don't want a giant harpoon coming <laughs> through my window and killing me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, think you, the first, the, the theatrical cut does feel like an experience like a roller coaster you're just you're on it you're not supposed to think about it you're not supposed Mm -hmm. to question it just go with it whereas here you can examine it you can you can sit with it you can be like okay this is what they meant to do but the theatrical cut's a dream and it's a beautiful dream
0: i think you've just summed it up perfectly it's literally perfect. <laughs> I have nothing to add. to What he said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good. I'm. I. But I'm. I'm very happy we did this. I'm glad that we have both Me of them. Too. I'm glad that I've seen both of them, and I'm glad that now you know both of my thoughts are forever on here. And if anyone ever wants to know what I think about Legend, I will just direct them to you to this uh, <laughs> to this podcast. And like, here you yeah. go. Here's what I think about both versions of Legend.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Like I cannot express how much. It has been like therapy to me to like sit down with someone who is so thoughtful and articulate and artistic, who is able to appreciate these movies in a way that I've been appreciating them for like 20 years and no one was there for me. And now I feel like I've opened a door and I'm just like, ah, there's people out there who agree with me. So this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, I, hey, I always have a blast coming on here, whether it's uh, whether we're talking about Tron or two different <laughs> versions of Legend. I <laughs> always have fun chatting movies with you, my, my buddy across the pond.
0: So uh, where can we find your podcasts? Where can we find you across social media? Tell us about your podcast in case this is the first time someone's heard of you and they're like, who's this cool guy? What's he up to? <laughs> uh,
1: I Well, I hope you uh, go back. First off, go and listen to our Tron episode and then go and listen to Uh, our first Legend episode. I guess you can just watch, listen to them either way, right? Uh, The director's cut or the theater, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Whichever one comes first. But yeah, you can find me uh, all over the podcast (laughs) sphere, I guess. Yeah. uh, you can hear me talking to our pal, Zach, um, on podcasting after dark. And uh it's a cult movie podcast. Actually, I mean, this movie is very podcasting after dark adjacent, you know, it's at the same time frame, nineteen eighty-five yeah. or three, whatever it was. Um what what was it? Uh, legend, eighty-five?
0: Eighty-five.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of our movies on Podcasting After Dark are, are nineteen eighty-five. So we uh we do cult movies, uh from the seventies, eighties, early nineties, and uh Usually, the cult movies are like rated R and then of course uh, with uh with our pal Adam. From the Blast From Our Past, yes. I have another podcast every week uh, called Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. So we, we talk about Seinfeld every single week, and right now we are about halfway through season five. So actually, we are pretty much exactly halfway through the series. Um, and that's with uh, Adam, who Emily was on the, the Mummy episode of The Blast From Our Past. <laughs> so you guys, you guys and gals, have you heard Adam's voice if you listen to that episode. So me and him, we talk about uh, Seinfeld every week and uh i live on instagram so you can find me on instagram the corey nation is my personal one um and then i'm but i usually live on the podcast after dark uh instagram so uh
0: yeah uh you're welcome back any any time you want, obviously I appreciate
1: that. I I love coming on the show. Just say the movie, say the yeah. movie, and say yeah. when I'll well, be I think, there.
0: I think it's your turn next, as I technically <laughs> had the same movie twice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, because I did Tron, but I would like to pick something that maybe you haven't seen, or something that that you know, so you can really sink your teeth into later. So, well, yeah, we'll uh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely be doing we'll talk, something in the we'll future talk. for sure. Yay!
0: Yay! Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on Why This Film. Bye! Bye! Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons 1 to 3, You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For five pound a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tears, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We'll be adding hot chocolate to that coffee. And probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles. But you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate. And thanks to my patron, David, for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why this film podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies. And I hope you do too.